everybody welcome to our podcast now look we are flipping format we are doing a tetv special we had an amazing conversation with the creative team behind guardians of the galaxy cosmic rewind isn't that right andy your favorite ride and mine oh my gosh it was such an incredible time everyone um there is a little bit of footage if you want to go to our youtube channel but you know what Mostly audio. This is a great discussion from Wyatt Winter, Liz Diaz, and Alex Wright. Enjoy. Hey, Andy, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, thanks. How are you? Were you? Uh, did you get up early this morning for the uh, the scrubbed launch? No, I, but I was up at 4.45 anyway. I get up so early now. Have a baby oh, and all that. That's right. Um, that's right. How's that going? Oh, it's 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 incredible. Four and a half or so month old. Uh, no, really a lot of, lot of fun, a lot of magic. But, I mean, I will tell you, I'm all decked out here. I got my Look digital world. I got my Guardians of the Galaxy shirt. I'm pumped and ready to go. I mean, isn't this so exciting that we have the – some of the team members um, from the Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind attraction. I'm, I'm so excited. We, we have been working on this for so long. You have been working on this for so long. And we're so honored that everybody would join us today. Yeah, it's we're so grateful to have uh, the team at Disney working so hard on this and to come and celebrate and share their work. Always great. Uh, to, you know, obviously, Disney's an amazing company. And this is a blockbuster attraction, the blockbuster attraction of the year at the Walt Disney Resort. Um, so why don't we go ahead and, and bring them on, some of the creative team members, and dive right in. All right. So we have Alex Wright, uh, Senior Creative Director. We have Wyatt Winter, Senior Show Producer. And Liz Diaz, we had a, a Riot Engineer. I apologize if I missed up any of your, uh, your titles off the cuff right there. Welcome to CETV. <laughs> Thanks for having Thank us. You. Yeah, it's good to be here. It's great to meet all of you. And we've been having meetings and stuff preparing for this, but uh, I'm so excited to learn more about the attraction and your roles in it. Yeah, it'll be good. It's been fun for us to kind of celebrate the attraction after all this time working on it. You know, I'm a composer and music producer, and like we always say, the recording session is the celebration because all the hard work leads up to that. And now you've already done all the hard work, and now you can just talk about it and celebrate it and you know, watch people enjoy it. That's right. <laughs> that is the fun part, yep. Cool. Well, you know, where we always like to start things is hearing a little bit more about your journeys. Uh, so, uh, you know, welcome to the show, and tell us a little bit about you. I know you all have had pretty lengthy careers uh, at Disney. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, I'll, I'll dive in. Um, so, Wyatt Winter, and I'm senior producer at Imagineering, but I started my Disney career, actually, as part of the Walt Disney World College program. And I worked at Big Thunder Mountain Railroad and then was a Jungle Cruise skipper out at Disneyland. I think one of our viewers right now is a skipper with me. Uh, and then uh, join up, oh, there's the photo of me during 50th, well, Disney, or Disneyland's 50th. So you can figure out what date that was. Um, and then joined Imagineering in 2006 as an intern and have continued along since then. So a lot of 
different projects, including some like Big Thunder refreshes and Frozen Ever After, and then obviously Guardians of the Galaxy. And I, and I have to add, um, I too was working at Disneyland during the 15th anniversary, but I was on the Tomorrowland side of things and, and attractions. So we were we were we were ships, pardon the pun, in the night. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, uh, uh, who do we have next on the on the? Uh, yeah, it looks like we have uh, um, Alex Wright. We have a nice, embarrassing photo review as well. Yeah, I uh, I started at Imagineering in 1995, so I'm I'm the old guy here, and I uh, have been uh, okay. So it, it goes back even further than that, and this this was actually an Epcot job. My first Disney job was working outdoor foods at Epcot. I did that for four summers and three Christmas breaks back when I was in college wasn't on the college program. We just kind of did our own thing and came down to work. Um, but uh, since coming to Imagineering, I've worked on uh, a lot of a lot of projects at Animal Kingdom, including uh, Pandora fairly recently and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, obviously, and uh, Space Mountain at one point in time. So had a chance to work all over the property here in Florida. And it's been a lot of fun. I work Space Mountain as well, but in California. So there's a lot of <laughs> synergy here. Exactly. Um, all right, Liz, uh, uh, tell us about yourself and your journey. Yeah, so I, I'm Liz Diaz. I'm a senior ride project engineer for Imagineering here. And uh, yeah, I started um, working with Disney in my early career, doing some projects with Disneyland Resort. And um, yeah, here you see me. Um, at my uh, you know college institute there, Flor Florida Institute of Technology, I, I graduated with my engineering degree, and um, yeah, early on I, I helped work with uh, some really amazing attractions, and um, just recent helped open uh, uh, Avatar: Flight of Passage, um, and and then helped with Guardians of the Galaxy. Great. Well, welcome everybody. To oh, sorry, Andy, go ahead. I was going to say, I love hearing all your stories that you're starting out at the parks and stuff like that. It just, it, I think it's a really hopeful thing for a lot of people that are working at the parks now and wanting to get into into uh, creating the attractions. It's awesome. Yeah. And I will always argue that it makes you a better designer. I have no doubt about that. Yeah. That's what everybody says. Yeah. I believe you. <laughs> so we, we're going to ask all sorts of questions uh, about the creative process and all that. Um, we are live. This is real live. So if anybody watching out there, um, LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook has a question that they would like to ask, um, we'll try to get to as many as possible. Go ahead and use that little comment feature and we'll bring them up and um, sort through as many as we can. Um, but let's go ahead and really dive into what we're all about here. Um, there are going to be spoilers. You can imagine part of this, just for those of you that are wanting to go in, um, you know, maybe watch this show later. Um, but this first question is going to go right to Wyatt. Um, what is the main story of the attraction and how did your team develop it? Yeah. So at the highest level, the idea is that Xandar has come to Epcot. Um, so the planet of Xandar you see in the first guardians of the galaxy film, and it's where you really meet all the characters first. But as we looked at it and thought, how do we bring Xandar to Epcot or the Guardians to Epcot? We thought our way in was Xandar. And so they're here to talk about their people, their culture, and their technology. And really kind of their first other world showcase pavilion, or as we call it, the wonders of Xandar. Um, you see up on screen there. And so as you come in, it's really this kind of connection of people and technology at the core, talking about how we are all more alike than we are different, uh, while born of the same space dust. 
which is very much kind of an Epcot message at its core. And so early on, it was a lot of kind of how do we put guardians here? How do we make um, this idea come to life? And so a lot of focus was on that kind of backstory that then marries the real world science that we know along with kind of Xandar science and kind of letting you using that to bring us into the story to eventually meet the guardians and go on your galactic adventure. Amazing. Well, that's awesome, um, man. I I usually try to stay spoiler free on on the attractions, <laughs> but I'm making an exception today. Um, <laughs> um, so, like, the story sounds really interesting. Like, how uh, can we talk about like uh, you know, you know, the whole point of the of these attractions is to make uh, the guests feel something and feel emotions and and um, you know, usually sometimes it's just fun. Sometimes you want to engage other emotions. Like what what were the, the most important emotions and feelings uh, that you were trying to achieve uh, on the attraction? Well, we, so we knew we were developing a thrill attraction. So by the time you get to the thrill uh, adventure at the end, that, that's a certain type of you know, exhilaration and the, everything that comes with that type of a ride experience. But leading into that, everything in the uh, beginning of the story that Wyatt was describing we wanted to capture a sense of connectedness. We wanted to have them reinforce the things that we believe are valuable about exploration and, and uh, curiosity. And so the it's one of the themes that you hear over and over again in the beginning of the, the story is that the Zandarians see things in us that they that they see in themselves and that they admire in us. So so they're trying to even welcome us into a broader world and share more through through their through the application of their technology, they want to give us more uh, exposure to a, an even bigger universe out there. So I would say that's the, the thing we wanted to capture. In addition to, you know, there, there are things that are inherent with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy story. They are um, fun and exuberant. We have the, the character uh, humor and um, inter, um, relationships that we wanted to hit home. And so all of that kind of gets wrapped into everything we were trying to do at the front end of the, of the experience. Oh, that's fantastic. That's cool. That's, you know, that's what it's all about, you know, is creating emotional engagement with the guests. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, and, and, you know, this is a pretty, you know, unique project, because uh, you, you know, there was a previous attraction that existed there. <laughs> and, you know, it's very common to, to, to that for that to happen. Uh, and I would love to hear, uh, and I'll, you know, I'll put this question towards Alex, you know, if you did, how did you honor the previous attraction? You do find as you go through with listening to the script and looking at some of the graphics, there are uh, references. We wanted to uh, kind of one of the things that's great about these movies is they exist in the real world. And so this idea that the that Epcot would be a real place in the story world of these characters was something we, we thought we could lean on. And so um, I know we're trying to we're giving some spoilers, but I'm trying not to give punchlines, but there are some references that some of the characters make to the previous attraction. You'll see uh, logos and, and symbols and even hear audio cues that, that connect us back to uh, the attractions that were there before that, that we all kind of know and love and remember fondly. Cool. Awesome. Uh, so, you know, we it seems like we definitely carry in some of those story moments to the queue. So we'd love to hear about what role the queue and pre-show play in bringing guests into the story and uh, why we'll have you answer that. Yeah. So I think 
as you see more and more with some of the recent attractions that opened at Walt Disney World, it's not just about the ride portion. It's about that whole kind of lead up to it and creating this full experience. And so that was a big goal of our teams here. Um, so it wasn't just the coaster itself. Obviously, the coaster part had to pull its weight and be amazing. But as you go into the Galaxarium, the first piece here, uh, this is an over 30-minute uh, planetarium presentation where you get to really learn about those similarities between Xandar and uh, Earth, or as they call it, Terra. So again, as I mentioned, that kind of Earthbound science that we know to the Xandarian science, we can kind of start blending those worlds and taking you deeper into that story. So there's not quite as harsh of a jump cut, if you will, from outside to getting into the attraction. Um, you then go into the Xandar gallery where we can start learning more about the people, the protectors or the Novacor, and eventually the guardians and what role the guardians play with Xandar. So again, every step you get closer to that guardians world, more of that kind of story that maybe you know from the films all culminating in a demonstration of their technology, the cosmic generator, um, and to kind of our um, pre-show, or as we almost call it, our act one, really, this big moment at the beginning of the attraction that, uh, not gonna give away everything that happens there, because that is a big moment here, that one that we were proud of and excited to really kind of keep under wraps, but eventually you get swept into that action with the Guardians, they join you on their um, venture to take over, Eson wants to take over Earth and you gotta help save the day and get pulled into it. So, I mean, I've joked that we've had attractions that haven't had as much as our pre-show and queue have, and then you combine that on top of the ride, it just makes for kind of a, a massive attraction. That's awesome. So Liz, how do you get people on this journey then? You see, you go through the pre-show and you get all that, that great info and set up. You gotta take them somewhere. What is it, magnets? Yeah. How's it work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do got to take them somewhere. So our star jumpers are, are really a, a five coach uh, train, roller coaster train that we use to transport you through time and space. And um, this technology uh, that we used, we really wanted you to feel like you were not on a roller coaster, but that you were flying through time and space. So we spent... Um, a lot of time looking through the development of just roller coaster system technology that's out there, the technology that propels the trains, the technology that breaks the trains, because all of those different sensations really add up or have a different effect um, for you when you're riding through this. And our, our biggest uh, technology uh, challenge that we faced here was really geared towards um, the, what we're calling our Omnicoaster system and the, the yaw system that we use on our trains here. And, the, and this is no off the shelf coaster either. You guys have developed all of this yourself, right? That is correct. We uh, um, have been working for many years on this technology to, to really develop and hone it in. And maybe this is to Al, uh, you know, Alex, you know, this, Disney's first Omnicoasters, you know, talk about the new technology and how it enables your ability to develop and enhance guest experience and tie it to the story. Actually, for Liz and Alex, it would be great to hear more about that. Right, I, I can jump in on that. It gave us an incredible new tool in the tool belt. So we were able to do things on now a, 
you know, a, a thrilling ride experience that we have traditionally done in our kind of slower, more theatrical presentations, where we really control the point of view of the guest and orient them toward the scenes that we're, we're passing and the stories that we want them to, to take in. And so if we just had to kind of translate all of those learnings into a high-speed version of that. So, you know, to, to think through uh, the how you would present the shows and, and how they would play to a, a guest eye point that's moving as, as quickly as they do here. So it, it, for, uh, for us, it was an amazing opportunity to try some new things and, and think through before we got into the field with the real uh, system to ride, taking everything we could learn from all of our uh, preparatory tools of the pre-visualization and, and modeling and uh, test track and things like that to try to interpret what we could and be prepared for in-field adjustments. So um, for us, as a storytelling device, it was really exciting and, and, and completely new. Yeah, and from the just the OmniCoaster perspective, it, it is kind of a mashup of our OmniMover systems that you guys see uh, similar to Haunted Mansion, um, you know, again, like Alex pointed out, it points you to the different scenes. Um, but this, in this case, you know, we uh, put it on top of a roller coaster and put the two technologies together. So the way this this system works is actually onboard power that propels, or or rather, um, provides power to the drive motors to allow that system to be flexible and and point you in any direction. Obviously, a controlled program but it gave us that flexibility to do that anywhere on the track at any point in time. Right, it, it could, could, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to jump in on you. Why we, we could turn toward those things and, and extend scenes like they're in a, in a normal roller coaster type of uh, experience. The scenes or the moments that you go past typically would go by in a flash, you know, a couple of seconds, but because of our ability to control the orientation of the vehicle, we have scenes that are, six, eight, 10 seconds long, and, and it really kind of changes the nature of what you can present in that type of a, 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 an environment. Yeah, that's great. So Liz is downplaying her team because they also have a patent on that technology of how that's done. Because there's other coasters that turn and rotate, but the way that this is done with that power is there's a unique patent now that is how we achieve this one and kind of what makes it different from other coasters. And, I was going to ask really that, but us, I don't think we can. <laughs> yeah, that does give us more opportunities because of because of that system. We have more control in more places on the ride than than other systems that we're aware of. No, it's it's it's. I've been on it several times. It's quite um, it's quite remarkable and exhilarating, and just so so great how it's all put together and where your eye focus is going and all that. Big fan. Uh, what I'd love to do, you know, we have a lot of questions that have come in. Um, and we're going to kind of merge uh, several of them into maybe one big question to ask. And that is, you know, how does this attraction fit into Epcot? Um, you know, what brought the Zandarians here? If you want to just, you know, uh, you know, talk a bit more about that, because that's a, you know, a unique um, situation. One of the things, you know, whenever you, you talk to anybody from Imagineering or you've seen it or presentations, we always talk about how everything begins with a story, but what we often don't get into is we also get to choose the stories we tell. And so when we are, when we make a choice to do a Guardians of the Galaxy attraction at Epcot, we make choices like, as Wyatt kind of alluded to it earlier, of which pieces of that we're going to pull from. And, and so we, we made a conscious choice to pull the pieces of 
the Guardians universe, even though in the film they're they're not uh, heavy in terms of how much they gave away of the whole world of Xandar. It, it was a, a, a setting for some some action and, and big culminating battle, but we we sort of extrapolated from that a broader sense of what that place was and who the people are, and 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 so that is is what gave us the opportunity to put it in Epcot and knit it back into the stories of the park because I think. You know, the stuff that we've we've uh, referenced about the curiosity and the, the sense of community and building this better future together those are all the the themes that we pulled from what xandar would represent and put into the attraction great that's well, awesome uh, and um andy it looks like we got a question um from sophie about music uh let's yeah. pull it up and and Andy, you want to ask the question yeah i mean as you guys know music's really important to me especially in attractions and the this film you know with uh you know the directors and director and creator of the the franchise music's very important to the franchise so let's talk about how music is integrated in the role that it plays in this attraction yeah, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. You can't have Guardians without music, especially once it became a film and right. everything that's about it. So that was a big thing from day one for us, um, just the energy it provides to it all. Um, some fun things, we over two hours of unique music was created for the attraction. So whether it's area development, Galaxarium and cues, some bits on the ride. Um, all inspired from the films, but all unique. So to be able to do two hours of content working with the original film composers and that team um, was awesome for us to get to do. And then you have the pop disco rock songs that are on the ride itself. Um, we tested over a hundred songs uh, on board um, and even countless beyond that, that we tried just on our phones, driving to work, looking at animatics and debating them. Um, what was kind of fascinating is that every song that we thought would work from day one for years that we thought, oh, this is going to be it. We want to try this. None of those worked and none of them made it to our time cut. Um, it showed while it is, how powerful digital tools are to visualize and test and finesse things there's still something about that physical visceral experience paired with music that you can't replace and so as we got on we started to see kind of what worked what didn't work um and it was september one of the first six songs that's on the ride is the first one that we were like this is it this one checks all the boxes from start to finish and kind of keeps that vibe going um, and then it, from there, it started working through and everybody debating what their favorite one was. And I still don't think there's like a clear cut favorite. If you look at what guests are saying, our team are saying, everyone kind of has their own top song, which I think is a testament to that they all work. Oh, that's awesome. Um, did you, uh, were you able to, or did you need to edit any of the songs or, I mean, besides, you know, the start and stop points, but did you internally edit? any of the songs once you hit play it just played through that's the, awesome the only, only thing we did was adjust some levels based on dialogue yeah, yeah. Would, sure would, you, would you all be willing to share your favorite if you have a favorite would you be able to share share that here live on air? I, I will because my favorite's the best one so <laughs> <laughs> uh, i i go for iran but that probably has to do with when that hit me in my life that's just a, a song that takes me back so so iran always works really well for me on the ride well that's what music's all about is that i second that <laughs> 
Oh, okay. I, I, I don't third that. I am going to say September. September's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite one. And then I'll say a close second, the controversial one of Conga. I still love that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I saw the question that was up added, you know, were there any that you cut that you really wanted to keep or some, something to that effect? I would the answer to that is probably everybody on the team had something that they really loved that didn't make the cut because we said, you know, and, and the reality was that why it says it really changes your perception when you experience on the ride. The, the ride has a certain rhythm to it and the the needs of the uh, kind of the energy of it, you know, the, the return tunnel in particular, if it didn't kind of finish on the right uh, energy level, it didn't, it, it fell flat at the end. So there were a lot of things that we discovered along the way, but we really did hold to, you know, if you didn't ride, you don't get to vote. Yeah. And one other little Easter egg that we've talked about, but not everybody knows when you exit the attraction and you're headed up the stairs and outside, um, you hear another set of songs and those are all pulled from the songs that didn't make the final cut on the ride. <laughs> so everything, I think there's like 50 plus songs in that loop. Wow. Some of our favorite ones that we all liked, but didn't make it. And so yeah. those are playing in the exit. Yeah. But, it, so, but if you do the, if you do the math, if we say we had a hundred songs to try, that means we had to ride a hundred different songs. And then as we started to narrow it down and we would say, okay, these, these dozen are going to continue. Which ones of those do we still like? And we would we would kind of have playoffs and you know narrow it down. And and uh, between that and the number of rides that had to go into fine tuning the yaw profile for the orientation, um, the it did lead to a, a friendly competition maybe, uh, <laughs> which which I was I was winning until the very end of the project. I'll, I'll just say somebody took advantage of my absence, but but I. <laughs> So I'm, lose. I, I, yeah, that is true. Uh, so I'm at uh, 540 rides, and uh, I, I think Wyatt's got me at this point. Yeah, I'm at 563 at the moment. Wow, wow, wow. Man, these guys got me beat. I was only in the 200 range, so <laughs> you guys win. You guys win. Top was like Alex and I, what we did like 17 or 18 and like almost back to back because they were like, yeah. Our integration window was closing for that day and we needed to turn through some songs and media reviews and it was just like go 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 and we just kept writing it, it got so bad that there was one i think it was a sunday later in the um project that we had to go in for some some work and on the ride and um it was my wedding anniversary and i was debating whether or not i should go in and my wife said you have to go in you can't let wyatt get ahead <laughs> You guys have an orthopedist on site there for you. <laughs> we we did pretty well, you know. Once you once you go through it a few times, you, it uh, doesn't doesn't get you. Yeah, yeah. And you know how to write it. You know how to lean into it. And... Oh, yeah. I now hear the songs like in my if they come up on the radio or I'm playing in the car, I can feel the movements and like know where you're turning in the ride now. Yeah, <laughs> I start every day with my Guardians of the Galaxy playlist. Um, so I, I appreciate that. I still think it does at this point. So, so, so with, you know, with all projects, uh, you know, comes opportunities and interesting dynamics. And we've had a lot of questions. We're going to kind of summarize it, several questions that have come in um, by just, just asking this question, which is to say, you know, what unforeseen challenges did you face during the project and how did you solve them? 
And you know, anybody can answer that. We can start. We want to hear from all of you on this unique, unique question. Uh, I'll jump in with one. I think just the scale of this project was something that we all knew going into, but until you're standing there doing it and it's the team, the contractors, the vendors, and just the volume of the space, that was something that was always kind of a reminder to our team of just what it takes to get something like this done. Um, Cause that translates to manpower and time and all those type of things to kind of get it done. Um, and so that was kind of, one of the unforeseen things that I look back on and think oh, I'll take learnings from that to future projects. Yeah, yeah I'll actually uh, piggyback off of Wyatt's comment with just the team and and the logistics and and you know everyone's seen a roller coaster track outside, but now you want to put it inside of a building. Um, that's not an easy feat there. So um, just something as simple as putting track inside of a building became a big challenge for us, but we overcame it as a team. And I would say um, there were things that came with working in the in an existing building that uh, some of it, some of it you would predict, like uh, just the condition of the building, the, the age, uh, the, what it's been through in the decades that it's been there, but also just it's a it's a wedge shaped building that didn't always give us the volumes where we would have wanted them. And so there were there were some challenges scenically that came from from that that uh, we probably didn't really understand until we got deeper into it. You know, I know that, you know, obviously our lives are, you know, all leading up to whatever we're doing now. But like, do you have any did you guys have any specific experiences uh, in your careers or in your life that 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 I think that, you know, really helped you on this project in specific ways? Uh, I will say, I guess, previous project, Frozen Ever After, and just the importance of teams and kind of what it takes to pull these things together. Um, and it's like you, you can't make it through something this big, and anyone that's done any project, big or small, you realize that it really does take everyone together. Um, it maybe doesn't always feel like that because you're like, you're doing your one thing, but how interconnected everybody is and kind of team morale, team dynamics, and the focus on that um, is a huge important thing, I think, that I'll keep kind of beating the drum on and trying to take from project to project. I think for me, I would, I would look back at lessons that I've learned over the years about integration of scenery and media and effects into spaces relative to ride paths, and, and this was as I mentioned earlier, kind of an um, explosion of a lot of those ideas at a different scale and a different speed and, and uh, in a different kind of context than uh, what I've done before. But I still think there's a lot that we kind of drew from about play of light and 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 that that relationship to the, the guest motion in the ride profile that that was really important here. Beautiful. And, and to really tie in to both what Alex and Wyatt said, it, integration and, and teamwork. Um, integrating with all of our players here was very important. And, and when I, I say players, the, everybody had their part in it, whether it was uh, creative or the facility team putting the building around the ride or, or the show team adding in those elements. 
uh, even the operators who operate the, the systems, um, every single one of us had to work together to make this, you know, the most efficient and fun and um, just enjoyable ride, but, and, and overall experience really, but uh, just that whole integration has always been um, a strong point for my experience as an engineer and, and continues to show like we did focus a lot on that in this project. And, and I think it, it shows well because the, the ride is, is quite amazing. Cool. Uh, we have a couple, we're gonna try to do kind of rapid fire round um, and, and really uh, answer like rapid fire questions from the audience as much as we can here. Uh, so first we have Kelly, who kind of has a question comment that we thought was pretty cool. You know, Xander seems to represent the overwhelming bettering of society, but the application of technology to common goals. Peak Epcot, go. No, uh, <laughs> Alex or Wyatt or Liz, do you want to comment on that? Go for it, Alex. I would say absolutely. I mean, I think that that is that is absolutely something we're intending to get across. And if you pick, if you listen to the the story being told all the way through, there are. I think more references to that than people pick up on the first time through. And so it, it was very much intentional and, and I'm glad to hear that it, it rang true for her. Cool. All right, let's move on. We have some really interesting questions about just story coasters. Um, you know, here's more about the rise and potentially is there gonna be more demand? And then we just have, how did you approach uh, incorporating story into a coaster? We'd love to hear that. And, you know, I know we have ride engineering and our creative team on, so we'd love to hear you all talk about that. Yeah, I mean, from day one, it was trying to think how to do that. And whether it's seeing what we've done with our own coasters or they're out in the world and kind of overlaying it, but knowing you could probably reach a point where there's almost too much going on. And so it was trying to distill that down to what is the core story beats we're trying to hit? Where do you think they could physically work on that attraction? Um, I remember talking with Liz at some point about um, what we want to do and her team of, of the ride and the sensations and feeling of what we'd get from it um, and trying to kind of translate that from pie in the sky, creative chat to like hard engineering stuff um, was kind of a fun thing to bring those two worlds together that don't always talk the same language and bring that into a ride system. Um, but it was, what's the best tool to tell that story um, and how to apply it was always what we looked at, whether it's physical show sets, media, lighting, music, um, and kind of picking the best to do it and being fairly judicious about that as well. So re related, at what point in development did you realize you were gonna have to build that gigantic building? <laughs> we, we knew we were building a building. Uh, I would say that it was, um, an ongoing process uh, as, as we developed the ride system and, and the engineering of it and learned more about what the system required, the building kind of grew with that. So it did end up being bigger than we thought going in, but it was it was not a moment in time. It was kind of, um, we went in with, we, we actually kept a very clear sense of what the intention was, the layout and general uh, beats of the ride are pretty much the same as what we went in with, but the requirements of that uh, due to the innovations in the system change the, the nature of the building over time. And I would just, to add on the question about roller coaster and kind of lineage and legacy, you know, we do have this history of storytelling roller coasters in, in, in Disney 
most of the time more told through environment than what what you would think of as a show scene or a show moment. I mean, obviously there are exceptions, but this one relies on more of that than than the ones that we have done previously. And I think one of what we learned along the way does point out that there are opportunities to go further and, and to keep playing around in that. So I, I think it's it's the beginning of a, a, a different breed of, of this type of ride. That's great. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I've, you know, worked on so many projects as well that, you know, you wouldn't think that uh, you could tell a story with and, and man, you can tell a story with just about anything and even a roller coaster, especially. Well, we're going to we're going to do one more question for the audience and then we'll just do a little bit of a wrap up. Um, really important, um, just accessibility, uh, comfort. Um, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a bigger guy. I'm six five and I, I have like a lot of it feels like I have a lot of leg room um, and, you know, it looks like it's a pretty big coaster car. Um, so it looks like you, you all did a lot of thought when you were making it. Um, so we'd love to hear you talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So. That, that is very true. We, we did spend quite a bit of time just understanding the demographics and, and trying to provide as much um, accessibility as possible to, to all of our guests so everyone can experience this, this attraction. And so we, we thought of the, the big and, and the smallest we could go and made sure that uh, it is um, still comfort, but it's, it's also safe for you to ride. and and to enjoy. Yeah, and there was a lot of, besides just the pure aesthetic of it and how that translates and with Liz and team and Alex, so we'd all sit there in the foam mock-up and figure out like, okay, if your arms go here, how do you carve it out? Working with our operations teams, all those type of things. So a lot of thought and effort put into making it, again, work and be as comfortable for everyone as possible. And you mentioned your leg room, Patrick. I had the opportunity to ride it with a seven foot tall NBA player, and he still had plenty of knee room. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. happy about that. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, no, much appreciated. You know, uh, you all have, uh, you know, inspirational careers, you know, spending a long time and, um, you know, coming from operations and all that. Um, just love to wrap it up with. You know, any inspirational words or, you know, guidance if we have any, you know, younglings watching out there who are in college, about to graduate, maybe who are working in the parks themselves, uh, maybe are in high school and, um, you know, aspire to do the things that we all do, create magical experiences for, for guests around the world. Um, love to have this uh, wrap with that. Um, uh, we'll start with uh, we'll start with Liz. Yeah. So I think my. Uh aspiring you know young people out there whatever you have a passion for you know continue to use that and and grow it because in in this attraction and and anywhere on disney property really there's a a career for everyone so you don't have to be an engineer like me you don't have to be a creative you know director um, there's so many different careers out there and you can be that person to contribute to something as amazing as Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. That's great. Over to Alex. Sure. One of the things I always talk about is always be looking for opportunities to do the work that you want to do in whatever venue it, it takes place in and don't set aside an opportunity because it doesn't fit into some 
preconceived notion of exactly what the path is to get to where you want to go because you never know when some experience is going to line up exactly with some opportunity that comes to you down the road. So I think having a, a wide variety of experiences to kind of wrap into your your point of view as a as a contributor, whatever whatever role that is, is really important. So so just keep keep chasing those, and I think by doing the work, you meet the people who do the work, and you build a network that is meaningful and. And I think that's the way to get in. Yeah, along those same lines, I think it's just always say yes, be willing to dive in and jump in. Um, I know it's something I did and it was, kind of shows to yourself um, what you're capable of. You find out what you're interested in, kind of sparks some of your passions, but also shows that to other people as well. So it's never the like, well, that's not my job. That's not my job description. It, everyone's job on our project and this is we always talked about it if we needed to jump in and bring parts over to liz's team or help clean up glass and the display cases or whatever it might be it was all hands on deck and kind of everyone for the team um and have each other's back yeah i think the best advice i ever got was from marty sklar was learn about everything and anything yeah yep. <laughs> That was great. Well, it's it's been a sincere privilege. I know we went through so many different questions. We're really excited to have uh, to be able to speak with you. Um, you know, and the entire community uh, uh, thanks you out there. I, I do want to give a special thank you to um, you know obviously our, our special guests. Uh, we have Liz, Wyatt, and Alex. Um, but also, there's some people in the backstage you're not really knowing, um, you're not seeing, and that's Will and Diego from Disney. We really appreciate you making this happen and working with us. So. We're really they're they're working hard in the back behind the scenes i believe you me and then of course our producer team trevor and, and charlie and cj so um with that you know we really appreciate everyone tuning in and uh we will see you next time andy anything else nope thanks you guys um we could have done this for hours but we appreciate yeah. your time it was awesome thank <laughs> you so everybody. much thank you thanks everybody thank you.